Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 10 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin April 2021, week 10 of the college football season in the books. And I'll tell you what, it was a crazy week. Not only did we have the Pac-12 and MAC beginning their seasons, but the number one ranked Clemson Tigers go down to Notre Dame 47-40. The Florida Gators look like a legitimate threat there in the SEC, taking down Georgia 44-28. Kyle Trask, 474 yards and four touchdowns on the day. Cincinnati continues to roll, takes out Houston 38-10. Desmond Ritter really, uh, you know, not much of a factor in this game. Really, you had Jared Dokes running the football, 184 yards on the ground, a big, powerful back between the tackles. He's the guy to be on the lookout for on day three for sure. Texas A&M, South Carolina wasn't really even a contest. Number seven ranked Aggies taking them down 48-3. to Kellen Mond, 224 yards through the air, four touchdowns. Now, this is a guy, it's a curious case when you watch Kellen Mond play. You know, because he has a lot of the arm talent. He can make a lot of the throws. Uh, very athletic as well. He's really kind of that new age quarterback that a lot of NFL teams are looking for. The consistency is will drive you nuts. You know, He had a, a receiver wide open. The safety had actually slipped and fallen down. Kellen, Kellen Mond had the receiver breaking open down the field and he overshoots it. And, you know, it's just that's what happens with him. It's just the inconsistency will drive you nuts. How about Indiana, the powerhouse, Indiana Hoosiers, number 13th ranked uh, Indiana, taking down Michigan 38-21 in Bloomington. Uh, You know, obviously they had Stevie Scott running the football, 97 yards on the ground and a couple of touchdowns. Wap Fillior leading that receiving core. They've got a pretty impressive receiving core. They've got Wap Fillior, who's going to be the that slot receiver, the guy that's going to attack the middle of the field. Then you got Trifo- uh, uh, Freifogel out on the outside, a guy who, you know, he's not a, not necessarily a burner. I think he'll end up being a, a possession receiver, but he's one of those guys that I think could end up making an NFL roster because he is so reliable. And then there's a tight end, Peyton Hendershot. Now, now Hendershot's only a junior. He's going to come back and play one more year at Bloomington, I would assume. Um, but another guy who can be a mismatch and a weapon there on the outside for the Hoosiers. A lot of fun to watch. They've got some young guys there in their linebacking core. Micah McFadden is going to be a guy to watch in next year's draft. Oklahoma State going down to the wire against Kansas State. And uh, K-State, you know, going for two. They were down 20-18, to 18, went for two, didn't get it. Oklahoma State wound up getting the win. Uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard battled an injury in this game. Um, you know, Oklahoma State really struggled to get things going, but uh, still came out with a victory. That's ultimately, you know, what uh, championship teams are made of. They're still in the hunt there in the Big 12. Uh, Coastal Carolina just continues to get it done. The number 15th ranked Chanticleers. Uh, you know, big winners yet again over uh, South Alabama, 23-6. to And my favorite player on that team is Taron Jackson. He's a legitimate pro prospect, a guy who's going to be a day three pick, but a guy I think is going to make an NFL roster. He'll get into that rotation um, and knows how to get after the quarterback. Ten tackles against the Jaguars, including two and a half sacks and a couple of quarterback hurries. This is a guy whose motor's always running, will attack the quarterback not only you know on the outside rush, but is also going to look to cross the face of the tackle, get to the inside. Excellent hand usage as well, a motor that never stops running, 6'2", 260 pounds. Taron Jackson, if you haven't gotten to watch the Chanticleers yet, 
ranked number 15 in the country. Make sure you tune in and watch. You know, they're, they're really a lot of fun to, to, to watch and really break down. Uh, Marshall, number 16th in the, in, in the country. You know, they took on UMass, and I know the Minutemen, you know, a, a program that's really struggling, but uh, Marshall, big winners again, led by the freshman Grant Wells throwing the football through the air. But Brendan Knox, 14 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns. He's a big physical guy, more of a one cut and go, uh, wants to get north and south, has a little bit of the lateral agility to him. And, uh, you know, a guy who I think will be a day three pick if he decides to come out, he's only a junior. Uh, you want to see some of that lateral quickness out of him. You want to be able to see him catch the football out of the backfield as well. Um, but Brendan Knox is, is a guy for me that I could very easily put into my top 10 uh, at, at the running back position because I just love the way that he runs the football. Um, Let's see, as we continue going through, did you see the USC game against Arizona State? ASU really outplayed USC for the majority of that game. Really, it was the last four minutes of the game where USC finally woke up. You know, when you play zone against that offense, the, the air raid offense, you know, Mike Leach style that Graham Harrell runs there for USC, you're running nothing but crossing routes in that zone. You're running right into the zone coverage. What's open? The middle of the field. They finally decided to start attacking that. They throw the football deep to Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a guy, he's only a junior, could come back to SC for one more year. Might even do that because, you know, with, with Keaton Slovis, Drake London and company, they could really have uh, an explosive passing attack if he decides to come back for one more year. But this is a guy, he's very savvy, excellent route runner, very intelligent, knows where to go, where to find the holes in the zone, elevated, make, made a nice catch. Then you had Keaton Slovis, you know, really the, the, the line jumped off sides for ASU, throws the football up, a tip ball uh, by Amon Ross St. Brown, Brew McCoy, the, the fr fabulous freshman, just happened to be in the area, makes the catch. Then they get an onside recovery, and then Keaton Slovis making an incredible throw, throws the ball you know, to, to Drake London, puts it over the linebacker, and basically fits it in over the, the DB to Drake London in the end zone for the score. Two, two touchdowns in basically 92 seconds. USC winds up winning 28-27, but I'll tell you what, you know, Herm Edwards, Marvin Lewis, Antonio Pierce, the defense looked great. We're going to be talking about uh, Merlin Robertson there, that linebacker, number eight. He's a guy that's explosive. He gets into the backfield, also able to drop into coverage. Uh, very instinctive player. This is a guy who I think, uh, if he decides to come out, probably a fourth-round pick. He could wait, come back, you know, come back one more year in Tempe, and then come back and enter the draft. Probably be a day two pick when it's all said and done, because I think he has that athleticism and, and the ability to make plays. Um, so, you know, those were just some of the games there out of the top 25. Uh, obviously, BYU as well, the number nine ranked BYU Cougars going onto the blue turf and blowing out Boise State 51-17. Now I know Hank Bachmeyer was out. Jack Sears, the backup, the transfer out of USC, had an issue. I believe it was a concussion. He goes down, and uh, they're really working off of their third-string quarterback. But BYU, man, they're just in a different class. And my favorite quarterback in this entire draft has to be Zach Wilson. And this is this is a guy, look, you know, the, the arm strength is absolutely there. Anybody that's talking about his arm strength not being NFL caliber, um, you know, just is looking for a reason to try to uh, try to discredit 
uh, Zach Wilson and, and his skills. You know, this is a guy who can throw the football down the field, uh, and, and the accuracy though is is what's ridiculous. You know, their back shoulder throws 30 yards down the field. The receivers are able to to adjust. Not only are they adjusting to the football, but the ball is going to be put right there, where only they can make a play on the football. Um, you know, throwing the ball on a line to a receiver going on a go route, putting the ball just over that outside shoulder and away from the cornerback. Zach Wilson showing the athleticism to be able to get to the outside, put a juke on on Riley Wimpy, the linebacker, um, in the open field. You don't really think about him because of his arm strength as being a quarterback that's going to be a you know a, a mobile quarterback. But he has eight touchdowns on the year. Um, the pocket manipulation, you see him being able to slide, still keep his eyes down the field. Zach Wilson, to me, you know, is a surefire first rounder. It's just going to be how high does he go in that draft. Um, you know, but in that game as well, you had uh, Kiaris Tonga, you know, the 6'4", 321-pound defensive tackle. He's a guy, you know, that I, I think, you know, that you're looking for defensive tackles that are going to move up draft boards, especially with the way that uh, Marvin Lewis and his draft stock's kind of taking a tumble. You're trying to find some guys that could potentially move up. And, and with Tonga, you know, this is a guy, he can play the three technique, he, he can play over the nose. And he has that short area burst to offer a little bit of pass rush ability, but then he also has the strength to anchor and really take, you know, absorb multiple blockers and really make plays, you know, allow the linebackers to make plays. They've got some linebackers over there on BYU. And, and here's the thing Zach Wilson, supremely confident. That's going to get him into trouble at times. Um, you know, he'll try to, to gamble, he'll try to hold on to the ball too long, took a sack. Um, and an 11-yard loss, really trying to do a little bit too much. And so that, that confidence can get him into trouble. Um, so could he potentially come back and work on his skills? Sure. Kalani Sataki, you know, he was trying to really build a, a schedule to, to showcase you know, that BYU is, is here and ready. But here's the thing. BYU, Zach Wilson, Jr., uh, his running back, uh, Allgaier, um, you know Tyler Allgaier. He's only a sophomore. Was a linebacker a season ago. Now this guy is is a running back. You know, madman. 86 yard touchdown in the game. Had the uh, incredible vision uh, to see the whole one cut off tackle. Takes off down the sideline. 86 yard touchdown. Uh, you have him. He's only a sophomore. Gunnar Romney is number one wideout. Number two wideout. Dax Milne. They're both juniors. Uh, Brady Christensen, his left tackle, also a junior. Then you get into the defense and some of the best players on the defense. Obviously, uh, Tonga is going to be a, a, a senior, but when you look at guys like Peyton Wilgar and, uh, and Max Tooley on defense and, and Troy Warner, now these are guys that are juniors that are going to be coming back to the program. What if Zach Wilson decides, hey, I want to come back one more year and really have a legitimate shot for BYU to chase down that college football playoff. Really have that schedule where you know BYU is not chasing a schedule, you know the, the schedule, and really putting it, putting it together on the eleventh hour because all of the the teams in a conference have decided that they're not going to play out of conference. They really had to work on trying to to build that schedule out. And I'll tell you what, you know, BYU, you know, Kalani Sataki really has something going there in Provo. Um, in that game, you know, there's a corner that that people aren't really talking about, and that's Avery Williams. He's only 5'9", 
uh, buck 90, but you know, he's a dynamic kickoff, you know, kick returner. We've talked about him before with, I believe he has four or five kickoff returns for touchdown. Uh, and when you watch him play though at the cornerback position, not a whole lot of wasted movement. Yes, he is only 5'9", so you're expecting him, um, you know, in order for him to really be on the field, he has to have that explosiveness able to get out of his cuts in a hurry, drive on the football, make plays. And, you know, I thought there was a really smart play. It was third and eight. The receiver runs, uh, um, you know, a slant route in front of him and only about three yards. And he allows him to go ahead and catch, make the catch in front of him, closes on that football, wraps him up and drops him for no, you know, for no further gain. So it ended up being a fourth and five play. Avery Williams, I think the kickoff return ability, that's going to get him drafted higher. But I think he's a guy that can stick and end up being a slot corner, a guy that uh, you know can be a you know your nickel, um, someone who's has that ball the ball skills that you're looking for. Um, so he's a guy to me flying under the radar, but a guy that you have to watch when when you put on the film and, and you watch Boise State for sure on defense. So. Now, those were guys that I was definitely keeping an eye on there. As the uh, the college football season, you know, obviously you've got the MAC, so you're going to start start the season during the week, and you know that was really where where my season kind of or my my week started was watching the MAC, and uh, the first game that I actually got to watch was Buffalo on Wednesday night. Um, you know, the MACTION there on on Wednesday night taking on Northern Illinois in Husky Stadium. And uh, Jarrett Patterson, every bit, you know, the, the hype is, is real. 20 carries, 137 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. This is a guy, uh, if, if you don't have him in your top 10 as a running back, you know, I, I don't know what, uh, what, what to say about that. You know, uh, over just under 1,800 yards in 2019, the jump cut ability is ridiculous. This guy's lateral agility is off the charts. His ability to bounce the football to the outside, his ability to make a man miss, you know, on the edge, in the backfield. Um, you know, he, he does a really just an unbelievable job with his vision and the cutback ability. Uh, to me, Jared Patterson, look, he's only 5'9", a buck 95. Yes, he is only a junior, uh, you know, but he's a guy that, to me, you know, 56-yard run, um, you know, hits the seam, you know, off the edge on, a, you know, second and one play, and then shows the speed down the sideline. Now, this is a guy, to me, uh, is a game changer, and I look at him, you know, he should be a day two pick may fall to, to the fourth round. You know, this is a draft to me. I, I don't think it's really high on running backs though. So if you're a team that's looking for a back, you, know, you have him sitting there in round number four, you got to grab him because he's a guy that I think can end up being a, a workhorse for, for an NFL team. They also have uh, Coyote Awusika. He's playing left tackle, but really he looks more like a guard. He's 6'5", 305. Um, you know, you watch him as a, as a run blocker, blocking down on the defensive end, opening up, uh, you know, a huge hole for Patterson. Um, you know, you watch him, you know, fires off the ball and gets those hips around on, on the zone run play. Um, you know, really a guy that um, is athletic. He climbs to the second level under control, gets under that linebacker pad level and drives him back. A knee bender. Um, 
you know, keeps those hands inside as well. Pretty balanced in pass protection. I think he'll struggle a little bit with, with the speed rushers coming off the edge. To me, he just looks like a guard. And, uh, you know, I think he'd be somebody, uh, you know, one of those sleepers at that position that uh, will get drafted on day three and uh, will be a guy that will challenge at some point for a starting spot on an NFL roster. Then there's Malcolm Coons on the defensive side of the ball. He's not so much a, a guy flying under the radar. I think a lot of people in, in the draft community know who Malcolm Coons is. Eight sacks a season ago. Um, he's without his, his running mate. Uh, Taylor Riggins right now, but with Koontz, you know, the speed, his ability to put his hand in the dirt and be a stand-up rusher, very explosive, um, you know, really kind of, um, you know, explodes, you know, he kind of leaned uh, to his right to the outside, then kind of explodes back to the inside, um, gets a nice arm over to beat the left tackle, huge hit on the quarterback, threw him down for a sack. Um, you know, to me, he's very explosive getting into the backfield. You know, you want to see him set the edge, be a, a consistent guy to really set that edge, get that outside leverage on the run plays. Um, but rushing the passer, there there are a few guys in this draft that have the athleticism that Malcolm Koontz has. Um, so he's going to be a guy that I think will continue to rise up draft boards. And uh, I just want to see him continue to develop that that ability against the run. And I think if he continues to do that, he'll be somebody that we'll be talking about on draft day as a potential, you know, slide into that round number three area. Um, you know, Ball State, Miami of Ohio, 38-31 game. This is another game where, uh, you know, Miami of Ohio's Tommy Doyle. You know, you're looking at this at this draft. There are a lot of offensive tackles, and, and I would say that Tommy Doyle's right in kind of that that second group of, of tackles. You know, um, not going to be a first rounder or second rounder. Has a chance to really be in that third, fourth round range. Uh, the athleticism is absolutely there for a guy who's 6'8", 318 pounds. Very easy mover, knee bender. Uh, the biggest thing for him, you know, because he is light on his feet, you know, he sits down, long arms. It's the hand placement. In very inconsistent hand placement. The hands aren't always in sync. Um, gets the hands outside at times. And then what ends up happening is he ends up kind of lunging and leaning as a result. That can get him into trouble a little bit, but definitely athletic, able to climb to the second level in the running game. Um, I'm a big fan of Tommy Doyle's. And then if you're looking for a running back that's kind of flying under the radar as well, how about Caleb Huntley out of Ball State? 5'10", 229 pounds. This is a guy who just runs out of tackles. You know, that was one of the things that you really saw, that, that lower body strength, uh, the contact balance, and uh, you know, just the, the leg drive was, was tremendous. Now, this is a guy, he, he took a pitch, put his foot in the ground, cuts it back to the inside, gets around a linebacker, then wants to get north and south through the hole, and then ultimately speeds run away from the secondary on a 45-yard touchdown. Uh, you know, to me, Caleb Huntley, kind of one of those guys that's going to fly under the radar. It'll be a late day three pick, possibly an undrafted free agent. When you're looking for running backs teams, and you know, teams are always looking for running backs uh, at some point, he'll be a guy that I think an NFL team is going to call on. And when they get him, they're going to be very happy that they brought him onto their roster. Um, I think Jack Sorensen, the receiver there for uh, from Miami of Ohio, He's an NFL caliber receiver, excellent body control. I think that's one of the things that you really see with him um, with his, his ability, you know, the, just to adjust the football um, when it's in the air. Um, that's really what I like about, about Sorensen. And then Christian Albright, the 6'2", 240 pound uh, outside linebacker there for Ball State. 
you know, had seven tackles, a sack, a couple of tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry. This is a guy who can rush the quarterback, does a really good job using his hands, swatting that tackle's hands away, um, and then quick to really loop around, flatten out to the quarterback, and get there and make, it, make an impact getting to the quarterback. He's somebody that I think um, has an ability to not only make an NFL roster, but there are a lot of linebackers that are out there that, that come from the MAC who end up making those NFL rosters and end up making a difference. Um, you know, and, and I think you know Christian Albright is going to be that next next guy that we're going to see you know doing that. When I think of of some of those guys, um, you know the the most recent that comes to mind, you know, of a a guy that kind of um, made a difference um, at the NFL level. I'm thinking of. of you know, Robert Spillane, you know, there for, for the Steelers. You know, Robert Spillane went to Western Michigan, undrafted in 2018. You know, this was a guy who, you know, he started 40 games and had 312 tackles, 32 and a half going for loss, 10 sacks, four interceptions, five pass breakups. It was a second team all-max selection. Nobody really gave this guy much of a chance, just ran a 4 7 7 40. Um, you know, ultimately goes to the to Tennessee and ends up getting waived in 2018. Goes to Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, in 2020, this was a guy. If you haven't already seen it, in Week Eight of the 2020 season, intercepts a pass from Lamar Jackson, returns a 33 yards for a touchdown during the 26-24 win. Um, you know, this is a guy also had a team high 11 tackles and a fumble recovery. So when you're talking about linebackers making an impact at the MAC, he's just the most recent example of that. I look at a guy like Christian Albright. He could be in, in that that line of, of uh, MAC linebackers to to make an impact at the next level. So we continue through. Uh, you know, Colorado State has a guy. Um, when he started his career with the Rams, he went by Emmanuel Jones, and he was a guy that was an edge rusher coming off the edge, really nothing more than kind of an edge pass guy. Um, sometimes he'd get home, you'd see the athleticism, but very raw. Now he's 6'4", he's 270 pounds, had a nice coming out party there for, for the Rams against Wyoming in a 34-24 win at home. And uh, Manny, man, he had a day. Seven tackles, two sacks, four total tackles for loss. And he was lining up a defensive tackle, both at the you know over the nose and a three technique, and using that explosiveness, that quickness coming off the ball. He, he's a guy that I could be, I think, could be a viable option. As uh, at, really, I'm looking at him now. You know, especially I think he has the frame to add some additional weight to him. He could be a five technique in a 34 defense and uh, use some of that speed um, to make some plays. Um, coming off the edge. So he's a guy to me that I think is going to definitely fly under radars, but I think people are going to have to start to take notice of, uh, of Manny Jones for sure. Uh, Miami taking on NC State, 44-41. Derek King, 31 of 41, 430 yards and five touchdowns on the day. Derek King, look, he's only 5'11", 202, had those 34 games at Houston, but this is a guy, he's showing tremendous arm strength. He's showing good ball placement uh, down the field. And look, he makes the right decision. Only 14 interceptions in his entire career. Also have 15 carries for 108 yards. And yes, he isn't the ideal height, but Kyler Murray's already proven that you can be under six feet tall and play the quarterback position. Derek King is going to get drafted as a quarterback in this draft. 
Never thought that we would actually be saying those words. You know, you think of guys from Antoine Randall, even Pat White coming out of West Virginia. You weren't really thinking about some of these quarterbacks. Derek King is going to be a guy that I think will get drafted as a quarterback. And because of his explosiveness, you know, he's, he's actually got a shot uh, you know, to, at, at the next level. I think, you know, with Miami, you look at Jalen Phillips, 6'5", 266-pound redshirt junior. Um, the athleticism there for, for a guy his size. Um, you know, I think the, the sack that he had really burst to, to the inside uh, on the right tackle, really kind of overset and uh, was able to flush the quarterback from the pocket, but then had a jab step to the outside later on, crossed the face of the right tackle, shot to the inside. The defensive tackle kind of looped around to the outside, but he kind of still was coming around off of that right tackle, ended up chasing the quarterback down for a sack. You saw the ham, you know, the hands to, to free himself up. You saw the explosiveness, his ability to not only rush the quarterback off the edge, but showing some of that inside ability to, to get to the quarterback. I'm a big fan of Jalen Phillips. Same goes for, for Quincy Roche. These guys combined for 16 tackles, um, you know, two tackles for loss, a sack, a pass breakup. You know, I'm, a, I'm sorry, a couple of pass breakups. Uh, Quincy Roche. Uh, I think he's still going to end up being a, a, a outside linebacker in a 34 defense because um, I think he struggles to get off blocks at times, but he is so explosive. You put him in space, and that's where I think he's really going to excel. And, uh, you know, I, I think NC State, they've got some linebackers on their team. Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, um, a couple of guy, a couple of underclassmen who will be guys to watch down the road. Uh, both of these guys were exceptional uh, between the two of them 21 tackles a sack two and a half tackles for loss they were they're really the heart and soul of that NC State defense so um, if you like linebacker play watching the Wolfpack you'll definitely enjoy watching them um, so as we continue on you know I mentioned Indiana I mentioned Wap Billior and look Wap you know he's 5'11 180 pounds he's going to be a guy that's going to be that slot receiver um, does a great job attacking the middle of the field that's one of the things that you definitely see he's very strong too after the catch running through quite a few arm tackles as well had 11 receptions on the day for michael Penix jr and the final Penix jr really had a day too 30 of 50 342 yards three touchdowns on the day and really he was exploiting that 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 secondary and really with Don Brown's defense, those corners love to grab and hold. That's one of the trademarks really of, of all the corners that are coming out of Michigan right now. And uh, they were exploiting that for sure. Um, you know, and Penix Jr., you know, he was surprising. You know, 6'3", 218 pounds. He's a guy to keep an eye on over the next couple of years. Um, you know, showed you know, really good arm strength, his ability to throw across the field, and then the athleticism as well. Um, Freifogel, as I mentioned, Ty Freifogel, uh, 6'2", 214 pounds, had a 32-yard uh, reception up the sideline, um, you know, gets inside, um, unable to really extend uh, his right arm, was kind of had it pinned by the, uh, by the corner, so he was able to just extend one arm out for the football and, and make the catch. A guy who I think is just tremendously reliable. He's not going to be a speed demon by any means, but I think he's a guy that's definitely going to make an NFL roster. And then uh, Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end. Uh, you know, Quinny Pay, 
really, you know, they, they kind of slowed him down, and a lot of that was due to the fact that, look, Aiden Hutchinson wasn't in the game. He, he battled an injury at the beginning of the game, didn't really get to see much action, and, uh, you know, Quinny Pay still five tackles and a tackle for loss on the day, but I just, I felt like, you know, Pay really got a lot more of that attention, you know, and, and so it, it really showed that lack of, of overall production, but he still was able to get to the quarterback. He was still using his hands, a slap in the rip to get off of the offensive tackle, pressure the quarterback, stutter, came around on a stunt, you know, went through the A-gap, gets gets to the quarterback, forced the quarterback to throw off the back foot. Uh, so Quiddy Pay, even when defenses are focusing in on him, he's still able to, to make some plays. Um, but it, it, the frequency just was not there, and really it was because of the focus of the, of the defense on him. I'm going to give you a guy in that USC game that I mentioned earlier that uh, you really need to, to, to watch out for, and that's number 93, Marlon Tuipolotu. Eight tackles, a sack, and a couple of tackles for loss on the day. He's 6'3", 305, and he was really, you know, he was battling injuries in his career early on for the Trojans. He, he was just so active during the game, very powerful, using some power moves, um, speed the power to, to drive guys back into the backfield, and he was just throwing guys around. He would take his man, throw him down, and, and then make a play on the ball carrier. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, the fact that J2 Fele has opted out due to a lot of the COVID concerns, um, you know, I think having him out, you know, out of the game and uh, out for the season, the focus really is on Tui Pelotu, and he's absolutely stepped up and, and really answered the bell there. I think Elijah Griffin, uh, the corner there for SC, is one of those guys that people aren't talking about. He's a guy that's flying under the radar. Um, he was a guy that was matched up against, uh, you know, the, the freshman Johnny Williams. I'm sorry, Johnny Wilson. He's a six-seven receiver, and, and Griffin was a guy. He was blanket coverage on this guy and was attacking the football whenever he could. Um, I, I think Griffin had a nice day. About you know uh, Talanoa Hufanga, the safety, six-one, two hundred fifteen pounds, very physical, coming downhill, uh, made a nice play on, on the football there against Johnny Wilson. Um, he ripped at the arm of, uh, of the receiver, the freshman, L.V. Bunkley uh, Shelton. Got a forced fumble there as well. Um, pressure, you know, making pressure on the quarterback coming off the edge. But, uh, you know, really plays well around the line of scrimmage. But I thought he struggled with some angles to the perimeter against the run. You know, these running backs uh, between, you know, Rashad White and, and Chip uh, Trianum. You know, those were two running backs. It was really their first FBS action. One's a freshman, one's a, a JC transfer, and uh, he really struggled with their speed. Uh, Isaiah Polamau, he's 6'4", 205, the other junior safety. And this was a guy who, you know, he also was driving well on the football, trailing uh, Johnny Wilson across the field, got a hand in, knock, in, knock a play, you know, make a play on the football. And that's really when I look at my notes over and over, Pull him out, driving on the football, making plays. A guy that also likes to play a little bit around the line of scrimmage. USC has two safeties um, that are worthy of being drafted. And I think, you know, when you look at, at a team like like Missouri, that's another team that comes to mind where both of their safeties, you know, with Joshua Bledsoe and, uh, and, and Gillespie, uh, the, the two safeties are definitely uh, got to be on NFL radars. I think the same goes for USC and Arizona State. Their passing attack really was was one dimension. I'm sorry, their offense was one dimensional. Really wanted to run the football when they lost their deep threat, Frank Darby. I think if they can get Frank Darby healthy, he's the guy that I think could be that, that day three pick that ultimately surprises at the next level. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, 
Oklahoma. I'll give you a running back that uh, is pretty surprising. And uh, just the way that he's already been able to come back and the difference that he makes for OU. And that's Ramondre Stevenson, six foot, 246 pounds. This is a dude who is big, he's physical, but somehow this, this big man, again, 246 pounds, is so light on his feet. The, the lateral ability, or agility, the jump cuts in the hole to make people miss. Then you see the stiff arm getting to the edge. You, you see the, the, the ability to run through contact, just a powerful leg drive, um, and then that, that, that speed when he gets out to the outside. Now he had that failed drug test prior to the Peach Bowl that got him suspended, and uh, that's why he was out for the beginning of the year. But you bring him into that running game, and now TJ Pledger can be more of that complimentary back to him and not be the focal point. You know, Ramondre Stevenson is a beast on the ground and he's just gaining momentum. He's a senior and he's one of those guys, he won't get drafted high. Uh, and basically because a lot of the, some of those off field issues, but I think he'll be a guy that'll probably get drafted probably in the fifth round range. And I think whoever ends up drafting him is going to be pleasantly surprised because he's, he's big. He's physical, the surprising short area, lateral agility. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't watched him play yet, he's only, that's okay. He's only played in a couple of games so far, but he's the guy that you have to keep an eye on uh, there for the Sooners. Florida, Kyle Trask. Can we finally give this guy his due? You know, He, he went up against arguably the, the best defense in the country in Georgia and smoked him. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, four, 474 yards on, on 30 of 43 passing, four touchdowns, just one interception. You know, and that interception um, ultimately he, he got himself into trouble, you know, a little bit and uh, kind of stared down the receiver. And Eric Stokes wound up coming off of his man, jumped the route, and able to take it back for a pick six. But uh, Kyle Trask. You know, the, the arm strength, yes, there is some inconsistency there with some of the arm strength, but you see the touch. You see the ball placement. You see some of the anticipation to throw his receivers open. We've got to give Kyle Trask his due. He may not be a first-round quarterback. He'll probably be a, a second-rounder, but I, I I really like what, what Kyle Trask has been doing this year. And, and he's a guy, look, he, he wasn't a starter in, in high school. He's a kid that I think is just continuing to develop. And we may see that the best days of him may actually be ahead of him. Um, Eric Stokes, look, he continues to be one of the best corners in the country. 6'1", 185, very physical, uh, you know, at, uh, coming off the line. You know, he's a guy that, that is, is looking to, to get his hands on the receiver at times, but he can also play well in, in off-ball coverage, you know, and bail technique, keeps his eyes uh, in the backfield on the quarterback and uh, you know, drives downhill, on, on, you know, especially on a hitch route. If you have a guy that's going to snap off the route in front of him, he drives on the ball in a hurry. And if he's not making a play on the football, he's making sure that he's wrapping up so that this guy is not getting away from him. No yak, no yards after catch. Um, but he went up against you know a couple of receivers that I'm big fans of. You know, Trevon Grimes is 6'4", 218 pounds. He's big. Um, you know, a guy that they ran a fade and his ability to elevate and extend away from from Tyson Campbell and uh, really you know make a play on the football. That long wingspan, large catch radius. He'll be a, a nice day three find. And look, Florida receivers. There's a, a ton of Florida receivers that that were on the team last year that are now in the NFL making plays. 
uh, you know, I, I look at Kadarius Tony. He had a bad foot, um, and, and that's really, you know, if you were to look at the at the box score and you're like, well, he, you know, he had seven receptions for 42 yards. He just couldn't really get things going, and I think that was really the biggest thing. Um, you know, and the flip side to it, you watch a guy like Monty Rice, 6'1", 235, and look, I know Kadarius Tony was having, you know, issues with his foot, but when you watch Monty Rice, he was a guy that was covering Tony out of the backfield and uh, was showing some, some decent ability to, to get depth, you know, whether it was in zone coverage or really in man coverage as well, and uh, was able to, to hang with, with Tony in the open field. Um, so I, I thought this was a game that ultimately, I thought Monty Rice helped himself a little bit. Tyson Campbell, uh, they obviously he didn't want to throw Eric Stokes' way, um, so they went after Tyson Campbell. And look, 6'2", 218 pounds. Um, I, I think Tyson Campbell does a great job against the bigger, more physical receivers. And when you're asking him to go up against some of the smaller guys, um, that's where he tends to struggle a little bit. Um, you know, I thought that when he, he matched up against Kyle Pitts, you saw him stride for stride, getting very physical, wanting to jam him um, off the line as well. And uh, you know, that's uh, one of the things that, that you definitely saw in that matchup. Um, but I, I think Eric Stokes right now has a leg up on, on Tyson Campbell as we move closer and closer towards the draft. Um, let's see. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. If we look at that game, look, my guy Tevin Jenkins, I'm, I'm not going to waver on this one. I think he's a guy that's going to continue to rise up draft boards. He's a guy to me that you know isn't going to crack the first round. He'll be a second round pick, though, and a guy who I think has the ability to play both left and right tackle. He has that versatility, has power in his hands, um, has that the, the bend to to be a you know he's a knee bender, keeps that chest upright, so he's not going to to bend at the waist at all. He's not going to get that high pad level either. Um, you know the, the hands really keeps him inside. You know if you remember. I talked about last week with, with Joseph Osai, uh, when, when he's coming off the edge, that inside hand, especially when Osai was attacking half the man, he'd take that hand, that inside hand, get it under his armpit. So even if Osai was attacking that outside hand, he was still controlling him with that inside hand. And Osai was having really a hard time to get off of Tevin Jenkins. I think Tevin Jenkins is definitely helping himself this year. Uh, one guy that I had to make sure to mention was Wyatt Huber. When this guy was attacking the quarterback, he was coming off the, le uh, off the left tackle. 6'3", 270 pound, redshirt uh, red junior, two-time Big Ten, uh, all Big Ten or Big 12 conference, excuse me. You, know, you see the rip getting under the, the left tackle's pad level. And uh, once he clears that left tackle, this guy has, has that motor continuing to get to the quarterback. A little bit of stiffness in his hips. But again, you know, this is a guy that just, he wants to get after the quarterback, wants to make plays, and, and really works hard to get to, the, to that quarterback. Um, you know, he'll start outside and loop around back to the inside. Real power in his hands to strike the left tackle and shoving him back, getting him back into the backfield. And then he flattens out in a hurry. That's one of the things that I really saw. Is he's turning the corner. He, he, ha he has that tighter turn than, than you would expect out of him. Flattens to the quarterback. And he's coming with bad intentions. You know, this is a guy who will look to try to light up the quarterback. And you know, he just continues continues to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. And this is a guy, you know, five tackles, two and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss on the day. To me, Wyatt Huber, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that ends up entering the draft and a guy who will probably be a day three pick. 
because you know he's more of a situational pass rusher at this point, but a guy who I think you know could, when he gets to the next level, be a guy that uh, is going to be a fan favorite because he just loves to play, loves to play the game of football. Um, seems like he's always having a great time out there and uh, gets after the quarterback. In that uh, South Carolina game against AM, again, guy flying under the radar, Carson Green, the, the right tackle. I, I think the broadcast, they were talking about Dan Moore and Kenyon Green on, on, the, on the left side. Kenyon Green only a sophomore. Um, you know, but Carson Green, you know, I, I think he's not getting the credit that he deserves. Look, three, 36 starts. Um, you, you saw the hand placement underneath Kingsley Anigbari's pad level you know, himself. Uh, uh, a guy that's popping up on draft radars because he's 6'4", 270 pounds, uh, athletic and can bend. Um, but I, I thought Carson Green did a great job controlling him. You saw that, that cl- the ability to climb to the second level. Um, you know, he did miss a block. You know, and you know that uh, linebacker ultimately got in and made a play. So that's really, I think, the biggest thing for him is 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 that. Uh, athleticism moving to the next level being able to hit that that moving target but you know in pass protection I thought you know he sets up very well does a great job with with that lateral movement his ability to mirror stays down keeps that low pad level and and you really didn't see um, South Carolina pick on Carson Green you know trying to get after that quarterback Um, another guy at the defensive tackle position that uh, I think is, is kind of flying under the radar is Bobby Brown the third 6'4", 325, had a bull rush, really just drove the, the, the center back into the back, walked him back all the way to the quarterback, got off the sack, uh, got off the block for a sack with DeMarvin Leal, uh, the, the fabulous sophomore who's, who we're going to be talking about next year's draft. Um, but Bobby Brown, to me, when you're talking about a, a, a draft where defensive tackles, not really a strong draft, Bobby Brown may end up deciding to enter the draft because of his, his ability to push that pocket and be a, a force against the run as well. <clears throat> One of the linebackers that I thought struggled a little bit at times was Ernest Jones. He was a guy that I was really high on. I thought that he was kind of the heart and soul of, of South Carolina's defense, even with guys like J.C. Horn um, and Igbari and, and Israel Mukwamu. I really thought Ernest Jones was kind of the heart and soul of the defense. And he was able to make some plays against the run and uh, and come downhill as well, but really didn't get enough depth uh, against Devon Shane uh, down the middle of the field. And ultimately, the running back ran by him and made a big play over the top um, for a I believe it was like a 52-yard touchdown. Um, you know, Jones showing that he, he's more of a two-down linebacker right now. So he's probably going to come back to Columbia for one more year to really work on his skills defending the pass. Um, the Oregon game, 35-14 winners. Uh, tried to tune in and watch Davis Mills, but he didn't play due to COVID protocols. Um, you know, I, I think the guy that everyone wants to watch is Kayvon Thibodeau. You, know, you see the exceptional quickness off the football. You see power in his hands. Um, his ability to really just extend into the left tackle and show some power as well. Really a lot of fun to watch. And then finally in that Clemson game, look, Liam Eikenberg, I don't think he he gets enough credit. When you're talking about offensive tackles, you know, he's not really flying under the radar, but people aren't talking about him as one of the elite tackles. He's a first-round pick in my book. 6'6", 302. You see the punch in his hands to really strike the defensive end. I mean, I think Justin Maskell probably had uh, an imprint 
of uh, Liam Eikenberg's hands. They were consistently to the inside, right on that chest plate. And when he had his man and, and those hands inside, he was, you know, he he wasn't letting go. And, and the thing with the two is, is that with those hands inside and his ability to uh, to stay under control, stay balanced with that wide base, real short, choppy steps, able to mirror guys. Man, they weren't getting off of him. And the thing too, you, you see the core strength. He's really developed that. You know, I, I think last year he struggled a little bit with uh, with some of the power. But going up against that that D line, you know, the freshman Brian Brissie, very powerful for a freshman. Going up against Justin Maskell, going up against Miles Murphy, going up against KJ Henry, uh, you know, whoever it was that that uh, Clemson threw at him, Xavier Thomas. He was able to anchor when he needed to. He was able to take the man, attack, you know, if they're attacking half the man, able to, to grab him and drive him away from the pocket. Uh, to me, Liam Eikenberg definitely helped himself in this game. Um, the lateral quickness is definitely there. You don't think of him as the strongest. You don't think of him as the most athletic. I think he's a technician. I think he is uh, a better athlete than I think people give him credit for. And I think he has more power than you really expect out of out of the left tackle. He's not like like his his running mate there at left guard, Aaron Banks, you know, the 6'6", 330 pounder. Um, but he does have some power. And I think he uses those hands to his advantage to really strike and punch, and jolt those guys, get them off balance, and then shows that that ability to drive his man down the field. Uh, Liam Eikenberg should be a first-round pick in my book all day long. Um, Aaron Banks, you know, he's he's big, he's physical, uh, you know, lacks some of the foot foot speed, but uh, you know, he was someone who kept picking up that linebacker, and I felt bad for Jake Venables. Uh, because Aaron Banks was, was drilling him. Um, you know, Kyron Williams, he's only a sophomore, but this running back, man, you know, in terms of, of picking up linebacker blitzes, I think between Balen Spector and Jake Venables, I don't know how many times they blitz. And, and between Banks, Jarrett Patterson, the center, and Kyron Williams, these guys you know, never really got a sniff of Ian Book in the pocket because they were all stepping up to make plays. And the thing that I love about Kyron Williams, you know, just transitioning to the running back for a second, it didn't matter where the blitz was coming from. You know, it could have been across the formation, could have been coming off the edge, could have been up the A-gap. Wherever that, that blitz was coming, Kyron Williams had an answer and was able to come up and, and make a play. And uh, you know, I think that was really key for Ian Book, making plays down the field, finding guys like uh, like Javon McKinley, uh, Michael Mayer, um, you know, those those receivers there for Notre Dame, Ben Skaronic, uh, you know, made some plays as well. Avery Davis. Uh, you know, had that, that long touch, uh, I'm sorry, that long catch that set up a touchdown. Um, that offensive line is tremendous. <clears throat> and obviously the running backs are, are helping as well. You know, Jarrett Patterson, look, 6'5", 305 junior. And uh, this is a guy, you know, he will play a little bit high with the pad level at times. But I, I think, you know, this is someone who's definitely balanced. He's very athletic. He shows showcases some power when he needs to in the running game, but then he has that that ability to um, you know to, to, to drop, anchor, and uh, you know shows up really well in, in pass protection. And, and one of the things that I really love about him <clears throat> is that ability, those reach blocks. You know, you talk about a guy like Garrett Bradbury making a you know as a first round pick. You see, you know, Jared Patterson. He's not, you know, the the, the grim reacher as they called uh, Garrett Bradbury. But you know, Jared Patterson is, is really an underrated center. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. He he's my favorite linebacker. Not named Zaven Collins, 
um, you know, JOK, he's only 6'2", you know, 215 pounds, and I know he's going to be compared to Isaiah Simmons, but look, he knows who he is, he knows he's a linebacker, he's going to be a you know, weak side backer, and, and, and a guy who, you know, if you need him to line up in the slot and cover a receiver, he's got you. If you need him to cover a running back out of the backfield, he's got you. How about a tight end? Got you. What if you need him to rush the passer off the edge? He can bend, he's got you. Run, running game, outside leverage, absolutely. He'll take the proper angle, he's got you there. What about running? You know, a run up the middle? He's gonna fill those holes, and then when he does so, he's gonna come with bad intentions, and he's gonna drop the running back in the hole. He's got you, he's versatile, he's a three down linebacker, he can make plays all over the field, and I know, you know when you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons, he played a lot of different roles, um, played on the line, played as a linebacker, he played all over the place, and really, he's kind of that a jack of all trades. And he was skilled in a lot of areas, but he was a master of none. And so I think that's part of why he's really struggled there at the NFL, uh, at the NFL level. But he's a tremendous athlete. I think at some point, everything's going to click for him. You know, you look at a guy like Hassan Reddick, and they try to make him into something that he wasn't. But now he's able to rush the passer like he did at Temple. And now he's really having a career kind of resurrection there in Arizona, kind of that last-ditch effort to see, you know, is he going to be a, a first-round bust or not? Now he's really starting to, to come on and make some plays. Um, I think, you know, Darion Kendrick, uh, the six-foot, 190-pound junior corner, um, I, I think he's one of those corners that, that is going to continue to move up draft, draft boards. Um, I, I thought he does a really good job attacking the football in the air, excellent ball skills. Um, you know, does a, a great job uh, they're just in zone coverage and, and really understands what's going on. Uh, I'm a fan of, of Darion Kendrick. Uh, the receivers there for Clemson, both Amari Rodgers and Cornell Powell. You know, Rodgers is that, that savvy route runner, a guy that just knows how to get open and, and make plays down the field. Look, he ran, uh, ran out of a... Uh, an Owusu Koromoa tackle on the outside and got upfield, got a first down on, on a third down play. Uh, but Cornell Powell, look, he's six foot, 210 pounds, second straight game where he really balled out. Six receptions, 161 yards, and a score. Uh, DJ Ui Anga Lele, big fan of, of Cornell Powell's, looks to try to get a hold of him whenever he can. Shows that body control to adjust to a to an underthrown football, uh, vertical threat as well. You know he's going to take the top off of the defense when he can. Um, I think Cornell Powell. He's a senior. Um, he's a guy that'll probably be in that fourth round range. Could potentially sneak into late day three, but I think he'll probably be a fourth, fifth round because I think there are a lot of receivers to be talking about in this draft. And then Jackson Carmen. A lot of people love him. He's six five, three thirty five. Um, he's a guy that I think. Uh, at, at times will look dominant and other times he'll kind of struggle a little bit. And, uh, you know, I thought he was someone who initially had um, Adi uh, Ogundeji, um, you know, stifled there on the edge. And then ultimately the, the, the end worked back inside and Ogundeji caught him kind of flat-footed and started lunging at him and leaning. And ultimately, you know, the, the uh, Ogundeji gets in for a sack of, of the quarterback and... Carmen, to me, I think the foot speed is really going to be that, that question mark. Can he change directions? Is he going to be able to handle those secondary moves at the next level? He may end up being a right tackle when it's all said and done. He's the guy that kind of concerns me a little bit. And then one final guy that I'll bring up, and then we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, ben Skoranek, 6'5", 
6'3", 224 pounds, a senior, grad transfer from Northwestern, finally getting some playing time, hampered by some injuries early on. This is a guy who, you know, he has that tremendous size, and uh, he's a guy that could end up even making his way as a, as a tight end, put some more weight on this guy. He's somebody that I think, um, you know, just has that knack for being able to get open. I think he has some deceptive quickness and deceptive speed for a guy his size as well. Excellent hands, a reliable receiver. He's somebody that uh, you know could find his way onto an NFL roster, maybe late day three, undrafted free agent, but a guy that I think will be that reliable target for an NFL franchise. And the teams that are looking for, for wide receivers, look, Alan Lazard was a guy who went undrafted there for uh, coming out of Iowa State, and you see what he's been able to do for the Green Bay Packers as long as he can stay healthy. Um, but you know that's going to be uh, really the story there for the Packers. You know, you look at their receivers; they're trying to find guys that, that can supplement what uh, you know, Devontae Adams brings to the table. And uh, you know, I think NFL teams are going to be looking for those guys, those complementary receivers. And uh, Skaronic is one of those those guys that uh, should be considered uh, on day three. So. This upcoming weekend, we've got quite a few matchups that uh, will be interesting, to say the least. Uh, Miami taking on Virginia Tech. We're going to get to see Christian Derisaw, the left tackle, take on Miami's you know dynamic duo coming off the edge with Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. I think that's going to make things interesting with that game. That's one of the early games. Coastal Carolina going to Troy. It's on ESPN2. It's a national game. So if you haven't gotten to see the Chanticleers pay, play just yet, Make sure you tune in and watch that game. Remember, Taron Jackson, he's going to be a name to watch for sure. Uh, Indiana, ranked number 10 in the country. How'd that happen? Taking on Michigan State. Look, Michigan State had a huge letdown against Iowa. Lost 45-7. to They're going to be coming in upset, but I still think uh, Indiana's going to find a way to win that game going away. Uh, look, North Carolina, Sam Howell's going to get to go up against Boogie Basham. Um, you know, I, I think North Carolina ends up winning that there in uh, Chapel Hill. As we continue going through, what other games do we have? BC against Notre Dame in Boston College, Chestnut Hill. Um, number two, number two ranked Fighting Irish. Um, you know, this is going to be a game. It, it's one of those trap games. You know, th- this was a team that nearly beat Clemson. They were had Clemson on the ropes, had them down 18, and then ultimately that second half. Some adjustments were, were made on the Clemson side uh, that weren't made for BC. And really, I think that's what, uh, what Coach Halfley um, has to learn from that game is, is we need to make some adjustments. You know, If we're in that game against Notre Dame at the half, we need to make sure that we're making the proper adjustments so that we don't have a repeat of what happened against, uh, against Clemson. But uh, Phil Dracovic uh, coming in against his, his former university, I know that there's going to be a lot of hype around that game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. USC heading to Tucson to take on Arizona. Be interesting to see what happens there. Will Graham Harrell change up the offense and start attacking the middle of the field, also allowing that running game to go. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the better guards in the country. He's playing left tackle for the Trojans, so that just helps his draft stock because I thought he was pretty dominant at left tackle against Arizona State. Uh, as we continue moving through, uh, we, we take a look at... Uh, Florida taking on Arkansas. Um, so see what uh, Kyle Trask can do there. Um, you know, Wazoo, Washington State Cougars. Uh, they'll be entertaining the, the number 11th ranked Oregon Ducks. 
Uh, Wisconsin finally getting to play again. They may have Graham, Hurt, uh, Graham Mertz back at quarterback. 13th ranked Badgers heading to Ann Arbor, taking on Michigan. They'll be licking their wounds after the loss to Indiana. Um, you know, it'll be, you know, that's a game that should be interesting. Michigan has been battle tested. Wisconsin has been battling the COVID issues. So uh, that's an upset alert game there. Same goes for SMU Tulsa. 19th ranked Mustangs traveling to Tulsa. And uh, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite players out there, Zaven Collins. This is a three down linebacker. He's 6'4", 260 pounds. Number 23 will be all over the place. Yes, there are a lot of guys on that Tulsa defense that are NFL caliber players. I'm telling you, Zaven Collins is the guy, uh, you know, he should be a day two, day two consideration. He'll probably drop, but he's that guy, you know, to me, he can rush the passer. He can be disruptive against the run. He can set that, set the edge outside leverage when you need him to he's also able to get into the backfield make plays against the run and then he can drop into coverage had an, had a pick six and really ran away from from offensive players uh, as he took the ball back uh, you know to the end zone Zaven Collins to me is a guy that, that people need to really be watching out for and you know people should be talking about the guy uh, I'm gonna continue to, to hype him up as much as I can because I'm a huge fan of his. Um, ASU taking on Cal. That'll be a game where uh, Marvin Lewis uh, and, and Antonio Pierce and company hoping to take down Chase Garbers at quarterback. And then defensively, we'll finally get to see uh, Cal's dynamic uh, duo uh, in Kuoni Dang, the linebacker, Cameron Bynum, the corner. Um, you know, ASU, uh, Jaden Daniels, athletic. Uh, likes to get outside of the pocket, so you're going to want to see if uh, if Kiwani Dang can really corral uh, Jaden uh, Daniels. Um, and then, you know, obviously we've got uh, some concerns, especially in the SEC. I know Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, really concerned over all the games that have been postponed. Four games in the SEC, all postponed due to COVID-19. Uh, that includes Bama against LSU. Uh, Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M, and, and Tennessee. All these games are postponed, at least for now. And, and I think that's one of the things, um, you know, there are there is definitely going to be some concern over what's going to happen with COVID. Um, and if you're going to continue to see spikes, you know, if, if you have these heavy hitters in, in the world of college football continuing to postpone games, you know, that's really going to impact the season. If I'm the college football playoff, I may look at moving that playoff back. Move that back a little bit. Allow some time to be able to get have these games made up. You know, we don't need to necessarily have all of these these conference playoffs. Um, you know, the conference game, conference championships go off the board on December 19th or before that. You know, let's let's allow them to actually have. Uh, those conference championships and and really have some meaningful games and why not expand you know just for this year expand the playoff you know you can have an eight team or a 16 team playoff you know where this is kind of a wacky season you know you don't want to necessarily just limit it to four teams especially when you have a lot of the issues going on with covid you expand it just to one year look 2020 is kind of a weird year anyway so if you're able to make those changes one-time change and then that'll also help for people uh, down the road that are that are proponents of extending the playoffs you know, wanting to have an eight-team playoff you'll get to see it you'll get to see it in action here in 2020 and see if it's really a viable option long term something to think about and then oh by the way ohio state 
Uh, they were going to be heading into uh, Maryland to take on the, the, the Terps, take on Tua's brother, um, who's really been coming on there for Mike Loxley's program. Uh, but the number three ranked Buckeyes and the Terps, that game has been canceled. Um, so that was definitely a game that I think everyone was was really looking for. Um, you know, is Maryland for real uh, with Tango uh, Vailoa at quarterback? But uh, really, there's no room for error in the Big Ten, in the MAC, in the Mountain West, or the Pac-12 at this point. Um, you know, they're they're really on these regimented schedules, really making sure that you know what you, you better week in and week out. You can't miss a game because really, when are we going to make it up? You know, we have games every single week leading up to the conference championship there's really no way to make it up so i you know it's one of those things i think you know the college football landscape really needs to get the head get together put their heads together and say what's going to be best for the game in college football especially this year in 2020 it's a year unlike any other so i, I think people will forgive you if you end up moving moving the the, the conference championship the bowl games the college football playoff back and I think people would also forgive you if you end up going with an eight or 16 team playoff because look, it, it's COVID. You know, I mean, that's that's really you saw that with you know, with with baseball. You, you know, with you, you saw that with with basketball. You know, you, you see that with just about every sport. The NHL with what they did uh, with their postseason. I think college football really needs to consider that. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens and takes place. So. Those are some of the matchups to definitely watch this weekend. Um, you know, it's hard to believe we're already into week 11 of the college football season. Um, you know, we've got 16 weeks before we head into bowl games. Um, so, you know, you do the math there. We're already on week 11 and uh, we're into November. It, it's really hard to believe, you know, when I look at the bowl games, just, I mean, at, at the college football season, just how things have gone. And when you look at the bowls, you know, the bowl landscape right now, there are, you know, quite a few bowl games that are still out there um, that will be played. There are a few that uh, won't be played in uh, in 2020, but they'll begin, um, you know, again in 2021. Um, we'll still have a bowl season. So that may be another reason why they don't want to push back the season is because, hey, we've got all of these bowls um, that are wanting to have their games. Um, but look. You know, you don't have you know fans in the stands for a lot of these games, and even when you do, it's it's limited capacity. Uh, you don't have the tailgaters. You know, in, in some cases, like you know, you watch USC at the Coliseum, and you don't have Traveler. You don't have the Spirit of Troy, the marching band out there. You know, it just you don't have the song girls. It just it felt like a weird atmosphere there at the Coliseum to see USC play, and uh, you know, a nine o'clock start too. That was pretty brutal there on the West Coast. Uh, I know that they're not used to seeing that, but I think it's really good in terms of that national exposure. USC getting out there, ultimately being able to come back and win, that was a game that people were talking about all day. It wasn't a game that was Pac-12 after dark when nobody's seeing it. They were actually able to see it in prime time. So hopefully you'll enjoy uh, week 11. Hopefully you know we'll have some, some crazy finishes, crazy outcomes as well. And uh, we'll have quite a bit to talk about on next week's podcast. So we'll do it all over again next week come back and we'll we'll do it again we'll talk some more football but until then enjoy your week everyone and for readyforthedraft.com this has been the ready for the draft podcast i have been your host greg shoots have a great weekend everyone take care and i am out of here